Man, it is so great to see you guys here today. Welcome to City Hope. Every single body that's here and everyone that is in Mobile, everybody that's in Baymanette and Foley, um, those are the guys that are at the correctional facilities, those watching online. Uh, it's so good to have you guys in church with us today as we continue this series, Uncommon. Um, and I'm so excited uh, that we get to talk a little bit today because there's a lot of things in my heart that I'm, I'm looking forward to sharing with you. I'm looking forward to kind of unveiling. Um, if you've missed any part of this series, I would highly recommend that you go back and check it out. Um, there's been some, some, some um, pretty big announcements made uh, that you may need to go uh, check out or today may not make a whole lot of sense. Uh, but to kind of try to recap in a quick little concise way, um, last weekend my dad, who's our founding senior pastor, um, kind of announced to you guys that we've been through a several-year uh, leadership transition as we begin transitioning uh, the leadership of the church. And so dad kind of announced to you guys that over the next few months and then in May at our 20th anniversary uh, that we will be, uh, it'll be official. The transition will be official. It'll be, it'll be uh, done. Um, and so that was the big announcement last year. How many of you guys were surprised? Because I was super surprised. Anybody? <laughs> Um, uh, but I, I feel like it, it went really, really well, and you guys responded well. And um, I would just say thank you to all the emails and the texts and just the responses and the comments. Um, just there's a lot of excitement for the future. Um, and I like to think about it this way, because this is such an important time for the life of our church. Um, that this is a continuation. It's not an, it's not an end to something. It's just we're just moving to the next chapter because the life of our church is very much like a one epic story, this, this amazing story that God is involved in from day one. Um, and we're just moving to the next chapter, right? And every chapter builds on the last chapter, the chapters before it. There's a foundation that's been established. Um, and I'm excited that, the, that there is an incredible foundation that this church is built on and established on. Um, and we just get to continue it as a church. Um, and another thing that's so exciting, and again, Dad shared this last week, but just to kind of catch you up, um, is that my dad's not going anywhere. You know, he, he planted this church 20 years ago, um, and he has no desire whatsoever to retire anytime soon. So if he used that word, he may come after you, okay, because he's not retiring. He's not actually going anywhere. Um, as a matter of fact, he's still going to be preaching a lot. Um, he's still going to be an elder on our elder team. Uh, he's going to be an advisor and a coach to me. And then the thing that I, I think I'm really excited about for him, and those of you that have been around a little while and you know, and you know dad's heart, his heart is for international missions and pastors uh, to equip and to resource and to help um, all that's going on around the world. And so this is this kind of this new chapter for him is stepping into that to a whole new level um, so that he can pour into. And I believe that the impact of that as he pours into missionaries and pastors as they reach the lost overseas is going to be much bigger than we ever could have imagined. His impact is just going to grow in this next season for him. Um, so can we just give my dad another big hand? And of course, I'm, I am excited that, um, that he's, he's not going anywhere, even as far as teaching goes. Uh, I mentioned that, but I've, I've been sitting under his teaching for the last 20 years, and I am so glad that he's still going to be teaching us often, very often. Um, and that's exciting. Uh, so you may ask, you know, like, what's going to be different? You may ask, like, what is this new season? What is this next thing? Like, what's the change that's happening? Um, well, let me just say it to you this way, that for the last 20 years, um, Dad has been the lead visionary. Um, that every, everywhere we go in the direction that we point and, and kind of where we head, it starts in him. 
And it's confirmed in him. And God does something in him and points us in that kind of direction. And the big shift that will be happening as this transition completes is that. Is that, that, is that I will move into that role of being the lead visionary and pointing us toward the future that God's called us to. And so today what I want to do is I want to talk a little bit about that. I want to talk just a little bit about what I see for the future and where God is taking us in this next season. You know, the thing about vision is that vision is one of the most powerful forces on the planet. I mean, it's, it's when vision is, is delivered and people grab hold of it is when things actually change and things actually happen. Right? It's when things are moved forward, when there's a compelling vision of, of kind of painting the future of what could be. When that goes forth and people grab hold of it, things begin to change. Things begin to shift, right? Because there's something just powerful about vision. And if you go all the way back to the very first church, you see this picture so beautifully, so perfectly. As these 12 men, these band of brothers, they spent... They spent years with Jesus walking and learning and growing and, and being developed. And he was discipling them because they were the disciples, right? He was pouring into them. But at the end of that time, they didn't just stop there. There was something else that happened because whenever Jesus left, he left them with a vision. He gave these men the ultimate vision. And we know it as the Great Commission. Many of us know it as that. In Matthew 28, this is what Jesus says to his disciples. He says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And this is what Jesus does, which just blows my mind. It's incredible. Only Jesus could do it this way. Because most leaders, whenever they cast vision, what do they do? They lead the vision. Right? But what Jesus does is he literally hands the vision to the people. And he says, all right, I'm going to go hang out with my dad for a little while. See you all later. And he literally pieces out. Like Jesus leaves and he goes and he says, listen, guys, listen, here's the vision. I'm putting it in your hands. I'll check back with you a little while and see how well you're doing. Right? He, he just Everything in, in, in Jesus' world is so different because he was the pioneer and the trailblazer and the one that they're all looking to going, you just tell us what to do and we'll do it. Like, give us marching orders, Jesus, and we'll do it. And he said, here's the marching orders. Go and make disciples of all nations. Go and do something bigger than yourselves. And then he leaves. And it required, it required a change of thinking in these guys that they literally, as a group, had to come together and share the vision. It wasn't something that just one person owned anymore. It was a communal. It was a body. It was, it was these men, this band of brothers that said, yeah, we're all going to pick this thing up. We're all going to do this. We're all going to take this to a new level. We're all going to move in this new direction that Jesus set forth. There's something so powerful in shared vision. When people, a group of people grab hold of it and run with all that they've got, with all that they are on the inside, they give it all that they have. Dad mentioned this last week that Along the way, for the last 20 years, Dad and I have always worked together, and we've been close when it comes to ministry and the way, we, the way we think and we dream and we move into the future. And for years and years, Dad and I talked about needing to change the name of the church. 
just knowing, man, that there's something God has planned for us that, that moves beyond the bay, that goes international and goes to campuses and just, man, that there's something special God wants to do here. And we had talked about it several times. And, and Dad mentioned the trip to Honduras that he and I were on uh, about a little over three years ago when it, it just kind of clicked in me. And we were there, and we were about to open the, the Honduras, the permanent facility there at the Honduras campus. And, man, it just clicked in me, and I just knew now's the time. Like, this is it. And it began just to kind of, kind of bubble inside me that, that there's something new. There's something here that God wants to do. And Dad and I talked about it, and we just began to process in the entire flight back from Honduras. I just prayed and thought and just kind of felt the Holy Spirit speaking to me. And I just wrote, I just wrote in my journal, just wrote, 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 wrote as much as I could, as much as I could retain, as much as I could kind of, kind of process through. And at the end of that, we came back and we began the name change, like the process, the, the this beginning of this thing. And, and through that, and through that journal writing, God kind of emerged this vision, the vision statement that you may know. The vision statement of our church that, that we've talked about, that we, that's on the website, that's on banners, that's, that's kind of plastered everywhere. We, we kind of birthed this statement, and this is it, and most of you will know this statement. It's that we exist to lead people to become fully alive in the true hope of Jesus. It's extremely simple. It's extremely simple because at the core of everything we do, if people don't know him, then they'll never experience fully alive. If people don't truly have Jesus Christ at the center of their very being, then they can never experience what fully alive is really like. Right? They can never know what that is or even experience it, even though somebody may say, yeah, I'm in a good place right now. But those of us that have experienced Jesus know, yeah, but you're, not, you're nowhere near the great place that God wants you to be in. Because there's just something different. And Jesus himself even said it in John 10.10. 10. He said this. He said that I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. That they may have this, this another level, this next level of living. That unless Jesus is at the center of your life, you cannot experience it. You cannot know it. And the culture that we're in right now, the society that we live in, that we're surrounded by, that we that we, we turn on the news, we open up social media, that we just kind of go through life surrounded by. Fully alive living is uncommon. It's peculiar. It's odd. It's different. But you and I, we are chosen to live that kind of life. And I believe that we are chosen to bring others into that kind of life. Our role, our job, the vision of this house is that. Let, let's, let's introduce as many people as possible to Jesus Christ so that they can experience the fully alive life that can only happen when Jesus is at the center. And the thing is this, is that that vision, that vision isn't changing. That's birthed into our very core. It's who we are. This is not changing. But what I want to do today is I want to look at the future because I believe for us to continue with this vision, pushing into the future, driving forward where God wants us to go, there are three big things that I want us to really focus in on. And honestly, my prayer is this, is that these three kind of big things, that as we push into them a little bit more, as we double down on them, if you will, if we just put every, we go all in on these things, my prayer is that they become a, a value in your heart. They become a part of who you are. 
that you begin to pick up this vision and we begin to share this thing together and we begin to realize that it's not just, it's not just my vision, it's not just our staff's vision, it's our vision as the body of Christ, as City Hope Church, what he put us on this planet to do. This is where we're headed and this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna focus on these three things. We're gonna be a church. We're gonna be a church, we will fight for every family. We're gonna be a church that fights for every single family. Now let me explain this. Again, to go back to our culture and where we are right now as a society, everything is out to get the family. I mean, everything in our culture right now is, is, is pointed to destroying families, eroding the foundation under families. This is the most stressful and difficult time to raise a healthy family, right? Things are changing and shifting in our world and in our culture that, that many of us don't even understand, and yet we've got to raise kids in this culture to become biblical, have values of Christ and all these things in this life that, that, that can go out and live and do and be the believers that they're called to be, right? But yet all the odds are stacked against us because of the culture around us. Everything is getting more and more difficult. And I believe that we should be the kind of church that fights for every single family. Why? Because family is something that God created. Our culture did not create family. God created family. God believes in your family. He believes in my family. And if God believes in your family, then we believe in your family. If God wants to save your marriage, then we want to save your marriage. We want to do everything that we can do to position you, to train you, to equip you, to be the parents and the grandparents that God's called you to be, to raise those little kids in this culture, to be just God-fearing, just amazing kids that are in love with Jesus Christ, that go on to change the world, that go on to push things forward, right? That's the kind of church that we want to be, right? The, the culture around us, there's so, much there's so much happening. There's so much changing, you know, you read article after article about the anxiety levels and the stress levels in kids today. That at young ages are on, on more and more medication and more and more stuff. And how do we as parents and grandparents, how do we navigate that? How do we help? How do we bring biblical values into our family and help with that? The, the schedules and the, and the stress of, of, of priorities and values in our life are, are so easily, they, they just kind of get skewed and they get out of whack. I mean, how can we help partner with you to help get some of those things in line? Man, some of the norms in our culture that are shifting right now, that are changing, how do you as a parent navigate that? How do you talk? How do you train? How do you, how do you equip your kids to be able to live in this world? I think about things like technology and social media and the way it's literally changing how we communicate. It's changing how we relate to other human beings, right? It's changing so much about, about who our kids are and how they're gonna succeed in the future. The church should speak into those spaces. The church should be a voice and we should help and we should open up the Bible and say, here's how God wants us to live as godly parents, godly grandparents, as people of God, right? This is who we're called to be. We're called to fight for every single family, right? This next generation, generation Z or, or I generation as they're sometimes called, is such an important generation. And if we're not careful, we will lose that generation, but not on our watch. We're not going to lose that generation. Let me make a really, really bold statement because I believe this to my very core, as crazy as this may sound, but I believe that City Hope should be known for being the best place to raise a family. That's what I believe. I want to live, I want to live in a community that when people far from God are struggling in their marriage, 
are struggling in their finances and they can't raise their kids and their kids are going crazy and they got all this stuff going on in the world. The one place they go isn't another book or isn't another shrink or isn't another something, but they immediately think, they immediately go, you know, the place that loves my family more than anyone else is City Hope Church and that's where we need to be. That's the kind of church that I want to be in our community, pouring into families, believing in families. Why? Because God believes in families. God loves your family. We're not going to stop until our kids' ministries and our youth ministries and our college ministries are just world-class. Man, we're in the place to be. We're not going to stop until there's more, more and more training and specific training to parents and grandparents on how to navigate these tough times. Like, this is what we want to do. And it's, it's not just parenting, man. It expands into marriages. I mean, the, you know, marriages are getting worse and worse and worse. And, and 10 years ago, we thought they couldn't get any worse, but they do. Right? Things are just crumbling day after day after day. I mean, the church, we're going to help. We're going to step in and we're going to help there. Right? Going back to the, the scheduling and the priorities and the values. Man, where, where does the church speak into those issues? Where does the church get involved in some of those issues? Um, and I believe this. I believe there are families in our church right now that you, you can't be a healthy family because there's someone missing from your family. It's incomplete. That God has a foster child or God has an orphan somewhere in the world that's meant to be a part of your family. And until that happens, until that all connects, man, then your family's not going to be as healthy as God wants it to be. Man, I want to see us do some damage to the foster care system in our area. Man, where we get these kids in healthy and happy homes, godly homes, where we go around the world and begin to adopt kids. I mean, that's the kind of church that we're going to be. Right? And then I think about the financial situations that are happening all through our church. Many of you, you can't fully experience what that fully alive life is because you're so bound financially. You know, national studies show that in every church, so we'll just say in our church, in every individual church, 70% of the people are in debt and living paycheck to paycheck. So 70% of the people in this room and at every campus right now are in debt and living paycheck to paycheck. 16% of the people in our church are bankrupt or right on the verge of bankruptcy, just flat broke. That's not okay. That's not how we're meant to live as the people of God, right? That's common. That's normal. That's how the world lives. That's how everyone else lives, but we're meant to be free, right? We're meant to be free from that, to be able to fully live that fully alive life, and I believe that that's what we're going to do together. As a matter of fact, this fall, as a church, we're going to go through a massive initiative to get you out of debt. We're partnering with Dave Ramsey and his team, and they, are, they have put together this incredible thing that we're going to go through together as a church to get you out of debt, to work extremely hard to get you and your family out of debt. Why? Because I don't think you're going to be a healthy family until you're out of debt. I don't think you're really going to experience fully alive living as a family until you're out of debt. Right? Here's the bottom line. We are in this with you. And we're going to fight with you as much as we possibly can. We're going to encourage you. We're going to, we're going to equip you to fight for your family. In Deuteronomy 6, verse 5, it says this. It says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. They're to be a part of your very being and your very core. This is who you are. And then the next part, it, it goes into legacy, into your family and your family beyond that. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home. Talk about them when you sit around the dinner table and you reclaim that time. Talk about them when you sit at a red light. Talk about them when you lie down and when you get up. Like literally make it a part of your life so that whenever they grow up, what happens? They stay there. 
in that place of understanding who God is and how God loves them, right? And this is what I see, a church that comes alongside your family and empowers you and, and strengthens you and equips you to live that kind of life. Listen, we're in this with you. We're not going to allow the culture around us to have the last word, right? We're going to go toe-to-toe with the culture, right? And on the other side of this thing, we are all, we're, we're going to raise amazing families, amazing kids who love Jesus Christ with all their hearts. We're going to fight for every family. <clears throat> the second thing that I see, the second big thing that I see is this, is that we will call the purpose and potential out of every Christ follower. We're gonna call the purpose and the potential out of every single one of you. Because I look out and I think about the campuses and I just know there's so much potential that's sitting in every venue right now. There's so much purpose that's there. And right now you're just coming in, you're slipping in, you're slipping out. And there's something inside you that God wants to, that God wants to awaken. There's a gift, there's something in you that God wants to just snap and just go, oh my goodness, there's a purpose, there's plan, there's destiny for you. I love, I love the books of First and Second Timothy when Paul, he's speaking to young Timothy, he's writing to him and he's encouraging him and he's, he's calling the best out of him. He's calling the purpose and the potential out of him. And he says, listen, he says, listen, there's a spiritual gift in you. There's something specific in your life that no one else has the same way that you have it. And he says, fan it into flame, Timothy. Like, like bring it to life, make it come to life because there's a purpose for you in this world. He said, listen, the Holy Spirit didn't just come into your life to, to make you timid or fearful or, or, or worrisome or whatever. No, the Holy Spirit is in your life to give you power, to give you love and to give you discipline. Why? So that you can become everything God's called you to be. He looked at Timothy and he said, listen, I know all the voices around you right now are telling you that you're young, that you're, in, that you're insignificant, that you don't really matter, that you're just another kid. You're just another kid out there. And he said, no, no, listen, listen to the identity that Jesus speaks over you. He said, this is who you are. This is who you're called to be. As a church, we're called to call the best, to call the purpose and the potential out of every single one of you. And I don't think it's just us as a church. I think it's us as individuals to look across the aisle, to look in a small group across the room and to be able to look into someone else and say, man, God wants to do something amazing in you. There's so much in you. There's so much more in you. Let's call it out of one another. That's who we're made to be. That's who we, we are meant to be. To help every believer find freedom from their past. To help every believer find a group, man, where they are known and they are loved and ultimately they are challenged to grow and to, and to move into that next level of where God wants them to be. To help every believer understand how to interact with scripture and how to worship with our whole life. To help every believer understand how to pray and to pray more sincerely. And then to ultimately pull that purpose out of every single person. To the point that you realize that there's so much purpose beyond this space. Beyond the hour and a half that we get to spend a week, there's so much purpose in you that God wants to do out in the world. He wants to use you and that gift that he put in you to do something amazing for his kingdom. It's spiritual growth and it's spiritual gift flourishing in every single one of you, every believer, every single person, understanding that this is fully alive living. When we understand that growth is possible, that freedom is possible, that getting closer to God is possible, but that at the same time, there's this gift, there's this purpose, 
there's this destiny. And it's not just to grow and become a fat spiritual cat, but it's to go out into the world and do something amazing and do something wonderful. I look at this as leadership. I look at this as discipleship and leadership. And you see it right in the Great Commission, right there in the Great Commission that he says, go and make disciples. And guess what? Once you're a disciple, once you've grown spiritually in that, what happens? You have to actually become a leader to go back out and begin creating more disciples. It's right there. We're all called to do that in our own special way. There's a gift and there's a purpose. There's something in you. I'll say it this way, that Jesus, Jesus didn't just save you from something. He saved you for something. We've talked about that before, right? There's something in each and every one of you that right now you just show up to work on Monday mornings, 8, 9 o'clock, and you just go through life. You just eke your way through, and you have no idea that, that that 40 hours, 50 hours, 80 hours, whatever it is that you're spending, there's purpose in it, right? It's not just to get a paycheck, but, man, God wants to use you in that space, God wants to use you on the ball field when you're out there rooting your kid on and you're just out there having a good time. In that space, man, God wants to use you because there's purpose in your life. There's a gift that God wants to pull out of you, man, that we want to pull out of you so that you can live and be everything that God has called you and created you to be. I said this a while back, and I'll say it again, that I believe that the next great revival should be a marketplace revival. It should be when we as the people of God take the love of God out into the wild, and people begin to see the hope of Jesus Christ, begin to give their lives to him, and Jesus begins to transform people. It doesn't have to just happen here, right? But each and every one of us, when we grab this and we understand this and that, that potential and purpose is pulled out of us, and we go out into the wild and we become who God has called us to be. All around us, the culture that we walk out into, what's common in our culture is that we tear each other down. We shame each other. We look for the things that are different and we point fingers at them and we rip people apart. We literally tear humanity apart. That's the culture that we live in. What's uncommon, what's peculiar, what's odd and different is when you look at somebody and you say, man, there's so much more in you. Man, God has got something special in you that he wants to pull out of you. There's purpose and potential in your life and that's what we're called to be. As the people of God, we're called to look at one another and say, man, God's got something so special for you. There's so much in you that God wants to do in you and through you, and I cannot wait to see what he's going to do. That's the kind of church that we're going to be. We will be the kind of church that calls the purpose and the potential out of every single one of you. I hope and I pray that it's uncomfortable for you to slip in and slip out and think that you can just check the church box. I hope and I pray that every time you walk through this door, the Holy Spirit grabs hold of you and says, there's more. There's more. There's more. You're just checking a box. You're just getting by. You're just making do. You're just, you're just trying to make grandma happy. You're trying to make your wife happy. You're trying to make your parents happy. And you're just checking that box. And I pray that every single time the Holy Spirit just keeps knocking on your heart and saying, there's more. There's more. Just open up your heart. Open up your life. There's more. God wants to do something amazing in you. We will call the purpose and the potential out of every Christ follower. And here's the last thing. The last thing is this, is that we will boldly reach the lost. We will boldly reach the lost. We're going to risk a lot to reach the lost. Listen, we're not, we're not in this thing to build our church. We're in this thing to partner with Jesus Christ to build his church. That's the church we're building. 
Right? It's not about getting more butts in these seats. Right? No, it's about partnering with Jesus to do what he commanded us and called us to do, to reach the lost, people out there that are hurting and broken that do not know his love, that do not know fully alive living. That's what we're called to do. We're called, called to partner with him to build his church. And the, the only way, the number one way that you see Jesus building his church is this. Luke 19.10 says this. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This is why Jesus came to this planet. This is why Jesus gave that vision to those disciples, to seek and save the lost. And man, what I love about this verse is this word. It does not say that Jesus sat under a tree and waited for the lost to come to him. It does not say that Jesus built a building with cool lights, comfy chairs, and coffee and waited for them to come to him. No, the word seek is a proactive, it's an aggressive, it's a word that means, man, that he aggressively went to them. Never do you see Jesus just sitting back and waiting. He went after the lost. And if Jesus went after the lost, guess what we're called to do? Because listen, Jesus was Jesus, right? And if he's called, if he did that, then that's exactly what we're called to do to seek and save the lost, man, to, to watch Jesus transform lives, to watch Jesus do what only Jesus can do. And what I believe is this, is that I believe, and I hope that you believe this too, that everyone's life is better if Jesus is at the center of their life, right? That Jesus just makes you, just makes your life better and he makes you better at life, right? I mean, there's just something amazing when Jesus is at the core of your very being, like everything changes, your perspective. Even if circumstances don't change, your perspective changes, your life changes, you just see things differently. Life gets better. And if you don't believe that at the very core of your being, then Jesus may not be at the very core of your being. He may not have changed you. You may not have him nestled deep into the very center of your being. But I believe that. I believe that as we go forth, that's what we're sharing. That's the good news we're sharing is that Jesus Christ changes your life. And that's what we've got to take out to the world. That's what we've got to risk boldly and go after our friends and our family and our coworkers and our neighbors and everyone that we come in contact with, with the love of Jesus Christ. But the truth is this, culture it's changing. You know, years and years ago, back in the old days of church, we could, we could just kind of sit back and expect at some point, at some point, people are going to realize that church is necessary and just show up. Like there really, there was that day when it was just especially here in the Bible Belt. Right? You just assume that somebody's going to have a kid one day and they're going to realize, well, we should probably raise our kid in the church. Grandma told me that. So we better go to the church. Right? We just assume that at some point everyone's going to realize that this is necessary and relevant and they'll show up. That's not the culture we live in anymore. Right? We know this. We've talked about this. Millennials, by and large, are leaving the church by the droves. Right? Why? Because they don't see the relevance. They don't see the, the reason why. They don't see why it is impactful to their life anymore. Right? We're, we're entering a whole new way, a whole new society of being a post-Christian society. Honestly, even right here in the Bible Belt, it's not the Bible Belt anymore, right? That's completely gone. People don't really have a sense of, of why Jesus is important. 
how would the church help my life? Like, how is that relevant to me? There's tons of gods out there. Why that one? Right? Our, our, just everything is changing in the way people respond and, 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 and react to the church. Uh, a year or so ago, Barna Research did a, an amazing study of the 100 post-Christian cities in America, the top 100 post-Christian cities in America. And of course, those cities, most of them you could guess. You know, Portland's and Seattle's and, and New York and up in Maine and just, you know, West Coast, e, uh, you know, East Coast, just all over the place. But what blew my mind, what surprised me was number 71. On a list of 100, number 71 was Mobile to Pensacola, which is where we live. Just make sure. What it said was this, is that 30% of our community is post-Christian. 30% of our community has no understanding of God or Jesus and why in the world that would be relevant to my life. There's no basic foundation of how that could be impactful to me. And what's interesting is that number 71, we were ahead of New Orleans, Birmingham, Charlotte, Jacksonville, Nashville. We were ahead of, and, and there's more post-Christian people in our community than all those other communities. What does that mean? That means a lot of things have to change for us, right? That means a lot of things are going to have to shift and, and be different if we're going to reach that generation. If we're going to reach the next generation. We've got to change some things. There are three things that we got to do, and the first one is we got to call the purpose and the potential out of every single one of you because it's going to take us all. It's not going to be a platform thing. It's going to be every single one of us out in the real world doing what God has called us to do is how we're going to reach that generation. The second thing we're going to have to do is we're going to have to change some methods. We're going to have to change some vocabulary. We're going to have to, we're going to, have to speak a little bit different because there's a different playing field now. Everything's a little bit different. It's changed. The best way for me to say this is to look at uh, the book of Acts. Um, there's a picture of two messages that were preached in the book of Acts that, that shows you a clear line of what's different in our culture today. In Acts 2, Peter gets up and he preaches on the day of Pentecost. He preaches, you know, the opening day of the church. And we all know, most of us know, at least that 3,000 people got saved. Right? A massive day for the church, right? Opening day was huge. But if you go and you read the sermon that Peter preached, it goes a little bit like this. He says, hey, guys, remember all that we talked about in grade school growing up with the rabbis? Hey, remember all the things that your grandma told you and your mom told you? And you remember all those things, you know, we memorized the Torah together. Remember the prophets? And we talked about what the prophets said four or 500 years ago. Hey, remember all these things? Yeah, all of that just happened and you killed him. You guys want to get saved? Boom, salvations all over the place, right? Because they already had this understanding and it was just connecting the dots. Peter said, hey, remember all that you been learning and you heard and you remember okay that was the guy you just did it so the messiah has been here Woo here we go three thousand bam right but you fast forward over to Acts 17 and paul he's in athens preaching right to a group of people that have no understanding whatsoever of the jewish culture and the torah and jesus or god they have no understanding of that whatsoever as a matter of fact there are gods everywhere there are gods all over the place, a God of this and a God of that, and they were worshiping and they were, they were trying to find their way to this eternity through multiple gods. And the way Paul preaches to this group is completely different because they had no understanding of who God was 
and why he was important to their life. And he began at the very beginning at creation. And he literally had to walk them through why God mattered to their life. This is where we are as a society. This is what has to change in how we're going to reach that generation, how we're going to reach this post-Christian society. The third thing that we're going to do, just like Jesus, put, that, put Luke 19 back up there. Just like Jesus, we're going to seek and save the lost. Jesus went to them. Jesus went after them. He was aggressive and proactive, and he went to where they are, and that's what we're going to do. You know, studies show, research and all this about how churches grow and about how people are saved and where, and, and where is that happening at the, at the best possible way. And it's happening through new churches in new communities. It's happening through campus plants and church plants. Going into communities, I don't know if you know this or not, but we, we've become a very localized um, society Right, that's why there's a grocery store every few miles and a pharmacy every few miles. You know, right? you don't want to drive more than 10, 15 minutes away, right? You want to, you want everything close, right? The way we're going to continue to reach the loss is we're going to go to them, and we're going to continue planting campuses. The beautiful thing about that study that the way the church is growing and the way people are being saved is through new churches and new campuses, and it's a beautiful thing. When I read it, I just jumped up on the inside because I thought we're already in that business. That's what we do. Right? We go to you. We go to the community. We go to the neighborhoods, and we love on the neighborhoods. We make it impossible for anyone to, in that community to miss us. So what are we going to do? We're going to continue doing that, going into new communities, raising up leaders, going into new communities, loving the lost, man, more and more outreach, more and more love and compassion in those communities and in those places so that you cannot miss the love of Jesus Christ on the ground, in the wild, in those communities. Right, because we're going to boldly reach the lost. With everything we got, we're going to risk. We're going to put everything in and boldly reach the lost. And what it requires is a communal shared vision for us all to, to push those things to the forefront of our heart and our mind. And even right now, you may think, well, some of that's a little uncomfortable for me. I'm not so sure about that. That sounds great for us as a church. Yes, let's do that. But if you're talking about me as an individual, I'm unsure of that. I want you to begin praying about where God wants you to be involved. Like, where, what is your part? What is your purpose? What is that gift that he's put in you? Because there's something in you. There's a part you have to play in what God wants to do here. Before I end, before I wrap up, I want to read a portion of my journal entry um, flying back from Honduras that day. Just a couple of paragraphs of it, and then we'll wrap up. We exist to be a city on a hill, a beacon of hope to the world. A beacon is something that you can see when all else is faded or foggy. A beacon is something that stands out in the dark. It's something that pierces through the life that you found yourself living, and it leads you to the light that you are meant to live in. Hope is that beacon. Hope is that thing that lives on when you thought that all else has fallen apart. Just as a beacon leads to safety in rough conditions, our heart is to lead every person into the safety and purpose of their creator. We are to be the hope, the light that shines through the darkness to reveal the color that's present in this dark world. Our hope is to lead people from where they are into the vibrant colors of God's plan for them to truly live a fully alive life. As a church family, both corporately and individually, our heart is to bring the hope of heaven into every city, whether big or small. 
No matter what rivers and roads we travel down and what corner of the earth we find ourselves in, we are a church bringing hope into every life, every home, and every city. We won't stop until we bring the hope of heaven to earth, until we are a beacon of hope for the lost and a dealer of hope to the broken and hurting. This is who we're called to be. And it's not just a me thing, it's an us thing. It's a we thing. It's every single one of us being fully devoted and passionate about what God wants to do here and in our church. I think, I think back to the 12, those 12 disciples that Jesus cast that vision to, and how they caught it. They got excited about it. Couldn't stop talking about it. it. Became part of who they were and how they lived. And I mean, you and I sit here today under the name Jesus Christ because those 12 guys caught the vision. And they ran with it with all that they are. Look around your campus right now. Malvis, look around. Mobile, look around. Baymanette, Foley. There's a lot more than 12 people sitting here today. And I just think, what could we do on the eastern shore? I mean, what could we do in Mobile? What could we do in Baymanette and Foley? What could we do in Biloxi and Gulfport and Pensacola? I mean, what in the world could we do to Montgomery and New Orleans? What in the world could we do as God just expands the vision of this house? to reach the lost, right? Because there's a lot more than 12 right here. And if we pick up that vision and we passionately run after what God's called us to be, I believe we can do it, all of us together. And over the next month or so, man, and this is gonna be such an exciting season, the month of February, let me just give you a little snapshot. The month of February, dad's gonna be coming and he's gonna be doing an entire series on prayer. We're gonna be fasting together as a church for 21 days through that season. We're gonna be in small groups together, looking across living rooms, talking about our fast and our prayer time, learning how to pray more effectively and then discussing it, challenging one another to grow in the faith, to go to the next level, to, to, to disciple each other and to grow in our spiritual faith. Right, this next season is so important, but as we pray and as we come together, I believe it's the unity around this vision that's gonna get us where we need to go. Understanding that it's only through God, it's only through Jesus Christ. When we come together under this vision that God has set out before us. Listen, I don't want anyone to leave, no one leave, but we're gonna sing a little piece of a song. It won't be long, I promise, but please do not leave. And this is what I want you to do. In a moment, I'm gonna have you stand at every campus. And I want us to sing this out and declare this with all of our heart and believe this as we enter this next chapter. As we move into this next chapter, I want you just to believe this, that God is faithful. He's always been faithful to us, and he's going to be faithful. That what he's done in the past, what we've seen over the last 20 years, this foundation and this, these chapters that have gone before, it's just the beginning of what he wants to do. And I believe that with all my heart. You guys stand right now at every campus. We're going to sing this out. Lord, I pray right now as we sing this song, God, that there will be something that stirs inside of us. God, that you are going to do it again. God, that you're not done here. God, it's just beginning. The best is yet to come. And God, we as a church, we come underneath your vision for this house. I pray unify us in that, God. Give us the passion to run after you with all that we've got. In Jesus' name, amen.